You're listening to the Summer Camp Music Festival Podcast with your host, Camp Counselor Derek. Ahoy, summer campers! I'm back! We're back! Summer camp is back! So let me just start by saying that my last podcast was over a year ago. That interview was with the great, and dare I say now, legendary Billy Strings. I say legendary because he's since gone on to win a Grammy. Yeah, that's right. The Summer Camp Podcast brings you Grammy winners. Granted, it was in our innocent days pre-pandemic. Now, if you're listening to this in the future, we had this little pandemic thing happen, which put a monkey wrench in the plans of the music industry. But... Things are picking up now, and speaking of Monkey Wrench, my guest today is a jack-of-all-trades musically and the percussionist for Summer Camp's hosts, Mo. And since the whole pandemic thing brought about the rise of Zoom, I think you'll find the recording quality has improved a bit, and I'm happy about that, so stick around for that interview. But first, let's talk about what else is happening. So, if you're new to the podcast here, I am uh, Camp Counselor Derek. You might be wondering what a camp counselor for a music fest does. Well, there are a group of us who are big fans of the fest and help promote the festival and bands not only before and after camp, but really all year. Some of the counselors take photos, some do video, some manage the social media side of things. And I'm lumping a lot of things together. They're under social media. Instagram, you'll see us on the Facebook group a lot, Spotify playlists, and a whole bunch of stuff that I may not even be aware of. I'm the grandpa of the group. So why am I telling you all about this? Because camp counselor applications are now open. But by the time you hear this, there won't be a lot of time to get your shit together. So if you're interested, get on it. It comes with some pretty nice perks. We get in a bit early. There are photo passes to be had. And the free ticket is always worth it, of course. So if you want to apply, go to summercampfestival.com and go to the Get Involved tab up the top and then click on Campfire. The campfire space is where you will find all things Camp Counselor. Uh, Right now, and it was posted on uh, May 25th, right at the top there, there's a link right at the top of that feed where you can find the application. Uh, The deadline for that is Sunday, June 13th. So come be our new friend, y'all. Now, if you want to get a free pass, but you don't think you're quite up for the Camp Counselor role, there are plenty of other opportunities for volunteering at camp. You can find that under the same Get Involved tab on the website, but click on Volunteer from there. There are general volunteers, the Green Team, the Soulshine Ambassador Group is great, um, and you can read about the volunteers' past experiences up there, so check that out. So y'all know I make this thing fairly independently, but that's the news from above for right now. But part of my goal in making this thing was to eventually get all of the members of Mo on the show. And you can always go back and listen to my interviews with Al, Rob, and Vinny. But today, I managed to get Jim Lucklin, who plays, well, just about everything. But you may know him as the percussionist standing in the back of Mo with a joint in his mouth, raging vibraphone solos. So this interview went very long because Jim is just such a hell of a guy. But stick around after the interview for the Jam of the Week, a summer camp song selection from a past camp. Here's Jim. Summer campers, we are back, and today I am joined by Jim Lachlan of Mo Percussionist for Mo. How are you, Jim? I'm doing well. I got no complaints. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I have to admit, I just learned how to say your name. I I would have said Laughlin. I've been yeah. saying my head that way for years. I get Laughlin a lot, Laughlin, Lauglin. Um, Usually at the airport, they just call me Mr. James, but they don't even try anymore. It's <laughs> Thank you for flying with Mr. James. All right. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I finally, finally got it, at least internally. I mean, I think I generally say Jim from Mo, that your, your last name generally is from Mo. That's, that's how it usually, if I text people or email people from the first for the first time or whatever usually it's hey it's Jim from Mo um (laughs) because they you know I don't even bother put my last name 
<laughs> it's my Instagram account name. It's, you know, it's just easier. Um, so the first question uh, before we get into all the Mo and summer camp stuff and your solo stuff, um, the first question that I ask every guest is, what was your first concert that you went to? And, and by that, I mean like the first one that had a big impact on you. Um, uh, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. Um, Iron Maiden opened up for Judas Priest at the Nassau Coliseum in 83, 83, 84, sometime around then. That's a good one. I uh, That was awesome. I always cut in a little <laughs> clip, which I'll, which I'll do here, but uh, that, that's, that's a pretty good one to cut in. Uh, see, I try to find the show if I can. If I can, I cut in something close from the same era. Yeah, it was right. It was. Uh, I think it's the, actually the only time they toured together. I want to. I want to say it was. Uh, Screaming for Vengeance was the Judas Priest record, and Peace of Mind was the Iron Maiden record. Just, that changed my life <laughs> absolutely um it, well and one of one of my early loves uh it which i'm i'm guessing you also like this person it wasn't my first concert my first concert was huey lewis in the news but uh, <laughs> one of my first you know artists that i really fell in love with was um billy joel and i'm assuming you're a fan because on one of your streams you did down easter alexa i know that uh yeah yeah, uh, I also um, have done uh, Captain Jack a couple times. And yes, he, he I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. I love um, every era of, of his music. He's, you know, to me, he's one of the greatest songwriters and performers uh, going. I, I agree. I wish he hadn't stopped. <laughs> yes, I, me too. And we're both from Long Island. So I got to, you know, where I grew up, he's, he's, and Ike, I mean, he's always been an icon on Long Island. You can't, if you play Stranger in a bar in Long Island, everybody is whistling the <laughs> intro. You know, it's just going to happen. Everybody's going to sing along with Piano Man and scenes from an Italian restaurant. Everyone thinks it's that, the, you know, their Italian restaurant right around the corner. Like, it's, that's, <laughs> so that, it was a, he, yeah, I'm a huge, huge Billy Joel fan. Yeah, that was a pretty big influence on me growing up. See, see, you grew up there, um, and how you know how long did you live there? Do you still you you still live in upstate New York? And no, no, I've been all over. I, I grew up on Long Island. I left um, I left home when I was uh, nineteen, going on twenty, and moved to Buffalo um, to go to college there. Although that didn't pan out but <laughs> and so then I ended up living in but you know that's when I joined Mo I lived in Buffalo about four or five years then we moved to Albany um and then I moved to Binghamton 
and then back to Albany and a couple of different places in Albany. Then I moved back to Long Island for about six months um, and then out to California and from California to Massachusetts. And now I'm currently in Georgia. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So where are the rest of the guys in Mo? Are they, are you guys all spread out now? Um, yeah. I mean, we've been spread out for a while and sometimes we come together and then sort of spread out again. Rob's been in Maine for a long time now. And uh, Vin has always lived in the Albany area and he's in Schenectady. Um, Al is back in Utica and Chuck recently moved back to New York. He's uh, in the Woodstock area. So, you know, Chuck was living in Ohio for a long time. Um, Al had lived in several places in New York. Uh, Vin and Rob have kind of been the most stationary. Although Rob <laughs> moves around a lot in Maine, he's been in Maine for a long time. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I, well, how, how did the, uh, how the pandemic go for you? <laughs> it was, it was interesting to say the least. I mean, I, you know, I, I honestly, uh, I, I feel weird saying this often, but for myself and my wife, um, and my son, it didn't change our lives all that much. Um, except for the fact that I didn't leave the house for a year, which, you know, it's, it's, it's actually ended up being the longest. My, my wife and I have been together um, in 15 years of being with each other. This was the longest amount of time we've ever spent together. And um, it went great. <laughs> I, I, I started recording. I got, I mean, I must've, I don't know what the, 16 originals and a handful of covers recorded you know close to 20 songs i guess um and i i got a ton of work done and we just don't we don't go out to eat a lot or hardly ever i get you know both my wife and i just finally admitted like you know what i hate going out to eat like we thought the other one enjoyed going to restaurants i know my son does he likes he likes occasionally to go oh, to restaurants yeah. and stuff uh, 23. Okay. Um, he's, he's, he's actually my stepson. If you get doing the math there, 17 years, 23 year old kid. Yeah. He's my stepson. <laughs> um, but he, uh, he's the only one who enjoyed it. Like, and it took us a while, you know, to admit like, you know what? I can't stand going out to eat. It's just such a hassle. And so we kind of just learned to cook all the food we like. We figured out how to make it all at home. And, and that was it. The only other thing we, we really did was occasionally if a good movie came out that we all wanted to see in the theaters, we'd go. Um, but other than that, I, I, you know, she's, she works in a salon. So in Georgia, they were like the first thing for some reason to open down here. It was crazy. It, 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 the first things that they opened here were hair salons, uh, tattoo parlors, bowling alleys, and I think even uh, massage parlors. And I was like, why, why are the things that are closest to people and most contact the things y'all are opening first? But so she's been working since I think it was the end of last April. I, like that's how soon wow. they opened. Yeah. Um, a way reduced schedule. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was crazy. Um, you remember, I still have my family still lives in the Northeast and my brother, John, you know, they didn't in Massachusetts, they didn't open hair salons. I'm not even positive that they're a hundred percent open yet. I mean, it, you know, I don't know why it was one of the first things. And uh, so nothing really changed that much. I, I, you know, when I'm home, usually all I do is work on the yard and golf and with my father-in-law and that's, that's what I did. I just did a lot more of it. <laughs> Well, that's the reason I asked you the age of your kid, because that significantly changed things for people. Like, I, th I think for people without kids it, or, or, or high school or older, and, and while it was a shame for high school kids, you know, yeah. high school or older, it wasn't as big a deal as for, I, I have an eight-year-old and oh. 
of having a first grader at the beginning of the pandemic who couldn't really work all the stuff online and having to get him in his different meetings was it was miserable <laughs> yeah yes I, I, that i could absolutely imagine i mean my my nephew has two young girls um you know I, actually all my nieces and there most of them have very young children and and uh you know, one of them, I, I was aware of kind of what was he was dealing with, with school. And, you know, I was actually up visiting my brother in Massachusetts and his daughters, my my nephew's daughters were over, you know, visiting their grandparents and they had to do, you know, so watching her um, take a gym class, you know, in the, on a computer. Yeah, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I was oh, like, man. Oh, man, my son's gym class was getting out of hand. They were asking him to bring like, you know, broomsticks and stuff. And we just hear things crash. He was in the basement because we're all on different floors now to try to keep the peace. Right. Be able to do our jobs. <laughs> and then we hear things crashing around and it was like, oh, you know, just with the gym teacher, it was like, come on, can't we run in place or something? <laughs> That's that's what she was doing they had this thing and on the screen was like uh you know she's very uh she might be about eight i know i'm horrible i don't know my nieces and nephews ages but i, I have so many or great nieces and nephews ages um there's too many of them yeah but you know she's around that age i'm eight first grade-ish i think and it just had like a a uh, you know, on the computer screen, there was an animated character that was running and was jumping over stuff at, you know, and so she had to run in place and then jump when the, the character jumped and stuff. And it was, no, it didn't seem like anybody was even watching her do this. They were just like, do this for 15 minutes. And, you know, she was on her own. There was a it lot. was bizarre. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was, I was like, wow, I don't know. It, that would have been difficult. I mean, my son just couldn't walk graduation. You know, it, it started, the pandemic started and he had to finish one more semester uh, over the winter. And which he did, it was, that was really weird too because he was home for most of the stuff, like the labs, he's an engineer and a lot of the labs closed and all this stuff. So he's welding stuff and building stuff in the garage instead of on campus and and he couldn't walk graduation, but he did, he was like, I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I I remember I didn't care if I went to my college graduation. I, <laughs> I just I went, my parents very much wanted me to go to it. <laughs> so, but you you seem like you kept busy uh plenty over I yeah over the pandemic. I'd say your face has been out there probably more than any of the other guys in Mo during during this pandemic. Yeah, probably. I mean, this they were they were doing um stream shows and stuff as well but it was you know through the go lively thing which it, uh, you know they do over zoom and it's a smaller number so you know i had advantage disadvantage i don't know what you'd want to call it but i was doing all mine on on facebook and just you know it was they were free to check out and stuff and i tried to keep my instagram going um and I did pretty good at that in the beginning. I'm just not, I'm such not a social media guy. I, I've never enjoyed it. And so it was weird. Um, I'm still I trying to keep that. up on it. I, I get that. And I, I thought that meant that like you were the last one who'd want to do this interview. But it it actually turns out that Chuck is the last one who wants to do this interview. Because I... I <laughs> I, my goal was to eventually get each one of you, uh, you know, and uh, it started five years ago, but um, so it was, it was down to you or Chuck. And Oh, okay. Yeah. She, Lindsay sent it out and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I rarely do them. I, 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 I I'll, I'll admit I rarely do uh, interviews and stuff. I, uh, and that's, I, that's not, I don't have a problem with it. I just, don't oh <laughs> I don't always know exactly what's going on and sometimes the questions are like you know odd and then I can't I don't know what to say I don't know how to, how to answer like you know what's the upcoming projects and stuff I'm like oh we got some shows I can't remember where <laughs> you know, 
we'll probably record now and sometime soon. Um. <laughs> Most of that stuff, I'll generally just research ahead of time and say. So, like, I'm telling you know, this is where Mo will be. Although I don't, I don't have it right now. I don't. I, I guess that's a good question. Do you guys have gigs coming up again? I, I assume we do. You have to know um, if you're at least leaving the house soon. Yes. I mean, we do. I got, I'm going back out. You know, we just played at the caverns over the weekend and did a stream from the Dunlop showroom. Um, and now I go back tomorrow to Nashville. We, we're doing another stream from the Dunlop showroom. And then we're playing in um, North Carolina and two shows in Virginia. But after that, it's hard to like, this is, we're just, we're trying to get as much work as we can, but it's, it's crazy right now. Like, you know, the, you usually get a way longer lead time to gigs. Now it's like, Hey, we got an offer for whenever, you know, and it, it'll be six weeks from now. And I'm like, Holy crap. Uh, okay. And trying to piece together the schedule and all the shows are getting booked. You know, we're booking the summer, at the fall and next year all at the same time right now it seems like and so i'm not exactly i know you know we have an eye calendar and stuff <laughs> but i'm not exactly sure where it will be when like i have a general idea and we definitely have shows you know through the end of the year so it's just it's good <laughs> yeah, and, well and, and Lindsay had said that to me that the music industry went from zero to a million in like a week yeah I was talking, we, you know, we rehearse at Pulse Lighting, which is our lighting company, and they work, you know, they do tons and tons of other bands like Jason Isbell and Belinda Carlisle and all these other acts. And one of the light designers that works there was like, it felt like every single band just had a meeting and decided to start their tours on the same exact day. And everybody just went out at once. I mean, they had gear staged to go out rows and rows and rows in a warehouse just all this stuff right it was crazy well and then there's all the artists that had tours planned that now have to reap i mean you know i know everyone was waiting on fish for a long time which was just announced yeah. a couple days ago um and you know and then there was the i i rolled the dice and bought some of those tickets before they announced they were going to be out there and thought, well, I guess I'll just because because it's soon. I know as soon as they announce it, they're just all going to be gone because everybody's oh yeah back out there. And I I haven't been able to see much at all because, I mean, I'm I'm a little older than the typical uh, music fan. I mean, I'm I'm 43, about to turn 44, but um, I generally go to shows. By, I mean, not generally, but a lot of times I go to shows by myself. Well, I can't afford. Right a $200 car ticket to go by. Oh yeah. No. And I don't have four friends that want to split that. So I yep. haven't been able to see much of anything. The pod shows were the same. Like the minimum was two, you know, you had to minimum buy two tickets and they weren't cheap tickets because the room is at 25 to 35% capacity. So I, anybody who, and I would have been in the same boat, you know, I mean, my wife loves to go to shows now, but, um, before I was married, it, you know, the only way I was going was by myself. And it's for anybody who does that, that's just not, it wasn't feasible uh, over this stretch. And I have no problem going to a show by myself. I mean, it, you're there to watch the music. You're ultimately going to socialize with somebody around you. You're all there for the same thing. So in fact, I've been to summer camp alone many times. I mean, I know plenty of uh. summer camp after, well, this will be, upcoming will be my 20th in person um, oh wow i've been to all of them um so i know plenty of people there it's, it's it's not hard to keep myself busy but i i don't know many people my age who want to go camp for three days yeah <laughs> that's no i can re yeah i was done with that uh probably even sooner than 40. Yeah, I'm still doing it. Although my body's now starting to, I'm going to have to really strategically plan in the next <laughs> five or 10, if, if, if I can keep doing it. So, but, but so um, you, you mentioned uh, about all the songs you've recorded. 
um, and I, you know, how busy you've been keeping doing that. Um, you're, you, you put out just one album of solo stuff, the first? Yeah, it's just, it's an EP, yes. It's, a, it's basically an EP right now. It's just four songs and I have, um, because those were finished, like mixed and mastered and stuff. Uh, and I have, so the, I'll just actually add to that EP. Okay. Um, instead of, you know, make that like an eight song or 10 song EP and then make another collection of songs. I, I assume there was more coming because of rhythm part one. So I assume there's a rhythm part two coming at some point. There is. And eventually there'll be uh, the rhythms part three, but that hasn't been written yet. <laughs> Um, there's a small amount of songs that that would would translate well to the Mo scenario. Um, a lot of them uh, would have problems with it, like instrumentation and stuff like that. Uh, Did you play all going of over to Mo? Yes. Yeah, I played everything on all of it. Well, one there's one song. Um, I there was a song uh, I wrote called Lovely, but that was like a Latin jazz song. So I had um, Jeff Pettit, who used to, uh, he played saxophone with Yoke, in Yoke when I was, with me when I was in Yoke. Mm -hmm. um, and so he laid down a, a like three part saxophone section and took a solo in it for me and stuff. Um, but uh, outside of that, I played everything on all the rest of what was recorded. I, I do want to get back to Yoke since you mentioned it, but um, I, I I'm super impressed with the the, the bass on everything in particular. Um, I, I I feel like the the all four songs on the first have a um, a, a primus flavor to them. Are, are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm a yeah. I, I'm, I I'm a huge Primus fan. How, how can you not be a Primus fan? Exactly. Yeah, exactly, man. They they they're one of one of the biggest uh, musical influences on me because I love um I love Les's bass playing. I love Tim's drumming, and I love Larry's guitar playing. So like I can steal from all three of them, and have and, um. And yeah, Les is a big bass influence. And I, it, you know, it's funny because it's not, I think the same thing. And it, it's sort of, in a couple of those songs, it's not necessarily the way the bass is played, but it's the way the bass and the drums interact. And the fact that, the, you know, the bass line just thumps through the whole song and they're not 
like singy songs, you know, so they definitely have a, a primus feel even to me, like, I, I, you know, yeah, even I was the, like, huh. The vocals have a little bit of a, of a less Claypool. Yeah, yeah. Flavor. Not so much of the nasally, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah not, not quite as twangy. Yeah, not the twang. I don't have the twang. But that bass was my first instrument. It's the first instrument I ever learned to play. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I didn't know that. Technically, I've been playing that longer than anything. Oh, wow. Well, I, I mean, I guess we can give listeners a, a rundown of, of, of how the early days of Mo went. So, Mo starts in 89, 90, roughly. You join in 92? Uh, that- yeah, it was 91 or 92. Um, I'm going by Wikipedia, so. <laughs> well, it, it's weird because I talked to those guys and then I went to Europe for a month just to hang out and then came back and then finally auditioned with them. And then we didn't have shows for a while. So I think technically I got the gig in 91 and then it was around 92 that the shows really started. Uh, going have you seen your wikipedia page for mo there's a timeline of everyone who's been in the band oh really no yeah you should check it out just look up just look up mo on on wikipedia there's a there's a timeline of 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 each person's you know who who they you know who they are what what year they played and what instruments they played oh wow i want does it even have like dave kessler and uh ray and okay yeah, it's it's the early days are a little, you know, sketchy uh, as far as ex- nailing down the the times and stuff because everything kind of happened. We like Al played with Mo before he was in Mo, so to speak, mm-hmm. and we sat in a bunch of times and then just kept going. And then Dave left, and then Al was in Mo. Like it, it, you know, things kind of. So you were behind the kit for about three years, right? And, and then in uh, 95, you went to play with Yoke? Yes, the end of 95. It, like I would, I would actually say all in total, of my, I was drummed for Mo for four years. Um, if, you know, if you take the sort of chunks of the half years that I was in the band technically, and then uh, yes, 95, middle of 95, went and played with Yoke. And that was, you know, I had my last show with Mo, and the very next day was my first show with Yoke. What, what prompted that? And, and to just tell people a little bit about Yoke and what, I mean, what prompted um, it? I, honestly, we had done a, a handful of gigs with them, and I was just, really really impressed with them and they were heavier um they were far more uh politically active at the time if you would say um you know so there was two saxophones uh two guitar players bass drums was two saxes two guitars bass and drums yeah so it was a seven piece and i just honestly at the time felt it was more appropriate for the way that I was developing as a drummer that like you know I was uh I was I I was starting to do a lot of double bass stuff I was starting to do um and I had always just been a a fan of heavier music you know I I was a metalhead my entire life growing up and stuff and then there was also a when I got probably my junior year in high school, I started listening to a lot of jazz music. So the two things that I listened to were metal and jazz. Um, and Yoke was kind of a good combination of those two. Um, as far as harmonically, very jazz oriented and just heavy. Um, and it was just so appealing to me uh, at the time. So, you know, I told... Heavy in, uh, heavy in sound, jazz in structure? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, and like the way they're, the way we approached everything, uh, solos and even just chord progressions and harmonically and stuff was 
more tilted almost to a jazz style than just you know three chord metal but it's still we still had those heavy distorted guitars and mm-hmm. you know the bass player jim lamonico is just a monster like he's so good he's still so good i i still see him playing i'm like oh my god dude. <laughs> he's just so talented and um dave Fitzhugh and p caravellas were two great guitar players and jeff pettit and at the time when i joined uh adam ash was the tenor saxophone player and then he was replaced with andrew bolivia almost instantly after i came into the band or adam left to actually play straight ahead jazz um that's what he wanted to do and uh but that the, the and we had a great front man. you know jimmy john was amazing on stage like he can turn a crowd he was just great <laughs> what ended it's a you know kind of nice ended diplomatic it. way to say that i'm sure you've had to <laughs> yeah it's it but it, it it really was and it wasn't that we'd gotten to fights really even though we did it was but it was just more like yeah it was just it was just too much it was a bubbling cauldron the whole time and then it just broke so you returned to mo in 99 as percussionist in, in vinnie's yes and, and and the lineup's been that way for Mo since 1999. Ever since, yeah. Um, how how many instruments do you think you have back there? Do you do you know offhand? Do you have a guess? Twenty. Uh, right now, um, so I have three mallet instruments: uh, the acoustic guitar. I don't. The congas you count as one. Timbales is one. Um, Triangle. <laughs> yeah and then if you want to count like all oh, everything it, it'll it can get it can get absolutely crazy uh the drum trigger pad i have a, a quince uh you know marching toms back there um the gong drum and then throughout the career i've, I've played melodian uh didgeridoo i played rob stand-up bass for a while uh, i played the flute for a while the piccolo bass was in there. Um, it's, it's a lot have come and gone as well as what sort of remains. You, you said three mallet instruments, um, uh, vibraphone, obviously. Um, yes. Marimba and a mallet cat. Is yep. that right? Yeah. You're like the first person to ever get it right with the right names and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people say xylophone to you. Uh, yes. Well, they call all three of them a xylophone, or yeah. they call all three of them a mallet cat. So it's well, mallet <laughs> cat's not one I would think people would know. Um, but you, well, well, because it's the first one I played, though. Oh, really? Yeah. So 
when I brought the mallets into Mo first, it was just a mallet cat. Because is that because the vibraphone was too uh, cumbersome to to get around? It's they're difficult to tour with, and because the mallet cat was able to do uh, vibraphone, marimba, xylophone. You know, I could do, I do a lot of Rhodes and a lot of piano sounds with it and some synth stuff with it. So I was able to cover all the bases of everything with just one uh, instrument in the beginning. So that's why I went that route. I, I guess we should explain what the Malakat is. Uh, it's it's a, a MIDI control vibraphone for the black. Yes. Yes. It's a MIDI. It's, it's a that's MIDI controller laid out. Yeah. Laid out like a mallet instrument. Um, and the one I use live has a built-in Kurzweil sound card, although I'm, I will be moving away from that and starting to use my laptop more and more. Um, but the key element of it is that it's a MIDI controller, so it can do a lot. <laughs> Just say that, you know, it can sound like anything I want it to sound like, and it can play uh you can control the way it plays very well as well so mo's going to be in the edm stage soon is what you're oh. <laughs> my every i rehearse when i practice on the road um i'll use my drum pad to play a loop and play over the top you know and and over the top of the whatever loop that i'm playing on the drum pad i do it in my in my stream often and the crew my crew always gives me a hard time that i should do like an edm show with all these huge, uh, you know, EDM loops and stuff, and pulling them in and out, and play the vibraphone at the same time, and I'm like, I too old. <laughs> I could, I could see that at summer camp. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the festival has changed so much in the twenty. 20- oh my God! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um. Uh, oh, one other thing, it just it, thinking about you back there. Well, well, two things. Um, tell me about fucking with Vinny. Oh. <laughs> you, you have a microphone back there. I, was, I, I watched a couple interviews with you and you have you have a microphone back there that goes directly into his ear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, <laughs> I'll always getting um, when we first went moved to, to in-ear monitors and the mics were set up and stuff. Um, and first it went to everybody, you know, and then Vin and I talk a lot. So everybody was like, look, you can't, you know, (laughs) have these conversations while we're doing something and stuff. And, uh, and then it, so we broke it up. So essentially most guys, mostly we use it just to talk to the monitor engineer now if we need anything. But Vin and I can actually hear each other. Um, and yeah, every once in a while, especially as Solo and Brent Black or something, I'll, I'll try to mess with, them, mess with them in the middle of it. What and do you have? Um, I, I, if, like, you can, if you can divulge that information. <laughs> usually it's kind of like a, a tongue-in-cheek uh, egging them on kind of thing. Is that all you got? Like, yeah, stuff like that. A bit. Come on now. Come on, boy, do it. Like, just just start yelling at them in the, in the mic and stuff. And it's I imagine kind of funny. And then we have... Hype man. Yeah, it's like, well, I don't know if you've ever... Uh, if you know who Oscar Peterson is, jazz piano player. And when Oscar plays, one of the things he does is kind of grunt and hum along with what he's playing when he's taking a solo. So you can hear him like mumbling and and it's not like the George Benson thing where he's singing along with it's just what he does. he's comping a solo and someone else is playing like when he was playing with Lionel Hampton for a long time you can hear him on the recording he's going yeah come on ha, ha, and just making all these noises and it's one of my favorite 
things about those recordings, um, those Lionel Hampton sessions was is Oscar. Never. Also, he's the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest jazz piano player to ever live. But I just I always imagined playing with him and having so much fun. Like he just seemed like a great guy to be on a stage with. So that's kind of where I got it from. So I'll just sit and like, you know, yeah, I try to hype Vin up and then, then sometimes like maybe see if I can get him to make a small glitch or something. Like <laughs> the girl in the red dress in the second row. <laughs> Stuff like that. Hey man, how what do you think of dinner? <laughs> It'll just send his mind sideways for a while. And then we have all these inside jokes and stuff that that we'll tell uh, during the show with each other and just mess around. That's awesome. Uh, my, I guess my other question about uh, you being back there is, um, do you see, be, because of all the solo stuff you've done, the stuff you've been recording, um, do you see yourself coming out to sing anymore with Mo? I mean, I gotta tell you, I've had, all morning I've had Rebel Yell in my head because when I when I think of you doing lead vocals, that's still what I think of because that's the one song I've seen you do with Mo. And, and, and maybe there's been others, that's just the one I've seen. Um, there, I, you know, it, it's funny because prior actually prior to the um the pandemic whole thing is i i just started singing more um some of it with songs that i wrote and then some of it with with covers like rebel yell and immigrant song and pinball wizard and oh, like I'm, a bunch of i'd love to hear that uh Yes. Well, we did the, the last Halloween we did was like a video game themed Halloween. So that was clear out, you know, uh, obviously one of the songs we were going to do right away. And it's just up there. And I'll have to check that one. I out. think it came out really good, actually. So we kept that in rotation. Tom Sawyer is another one that I, like high register stuff or screamy stuff and Rebel Yell. But that Rebel Yell is, it's, it's like one of those songs where, well, at summer camp, when we first, the first time we did it, the next day I couldn't talk oh, because of, I'm yeah, sure doing it. Yeah, it was, it, that song it hurt sometimes. Um, and we rehearsed it like five times the day before. And I was just barely able to get it out for the show. And then that was it. I was done. singing some bands and I'm always taking the high part. I'm always the guy who's going to take the high part, um, which is fine. But yeah, you can really blow out your voice trying, yeah. to, trying to practice and then you get to the gig. <laughs> yes. And it's a whole other ball. And I think at the time there was another, um, we were working on learning a Soundgarden song. And so I'm singing these two songs and the Soundgarden song we didn't do because of, I can't remember which one it was, but there was a really, there's a, you know, they do odd time, a lot of odd time signatures and they switch back between uh, four, four and odd times, like effortlessly. And when you hear it on the radio, it doesn't register. You think this, and then, and then you start to learn these songs and you're like, oh my God, that bar isn't, that is just a bar of five just sitting in so. So there was a couple turnarounds that we just couldn't get in time because we started rehearsing on it too late. And so after those rehearsals doing, um, you know, having to do a Chris Cornell song yeah, and a, and a Billy Idol song. <laughs> but I was shot. Yeah. I don't even think I'd attempt Chris Cornell. That hell of a singer. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't one of the crazy ones. So I was actually able to cover you know, 90% of the song. I would have had it, I think, but I'm not sure. <laughs> well, 
I'm going to be looking forward to that one still coming up. You guys, you guys will work out the funky time signatures. That's yeah. And well, it's cover songs are weird for us. Cause like a lot of times we just learn them for an occasion yeah. and, and, you know, don't kind of stay on it. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, we should, I, I know I've kept you already over the time I told you, uh, but we should talk a little bit about summer camp. Um, oh yeah. Uh, you looking forward to the August heat? I'll tell you. That's I mean, the only thing. Being from here, I mean, Lollapalooza is stationed in Chicago now and I stopped going because I couldn't take the August heat. So we'll, we'll see how it is just north of Peoria down there in August. Yeah, it'll, it's going to be brutal. I mean, I, I, li I live in Georgia, so I can't really. Ah, uh, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> really, but I'm not a, I'm still, I still have Northeastern blood, man. Down here, I'm running for shade. Um, I, I, you know, I burn like a vampire, man. <laughs> like from uh, golfing, I'll, I get a golfer's tan. But I, I, I don't even really, I'm not a big shorts wearer, so like even it has to be above 90 for me to wear shorts out on the golf course so even my legs are pretty pretty pale so yeah, i'll stay in the shade and you know <laughs> um let's talk about just real quick any past summer camp moments that you want to talk about uh sit-ins that you just still yeah i i there's so many honestly some of the best times i've had have been there um you know sitting in with mike dylan having mike dylan sit in with us is always great and it's happened multiple times at summer camp you know either me playing with uh his percussion ensemble or his band um any one of his projects or and you know we're there at the same time so he'll always come over and just do something amazing with us was actually his percussionist and we 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 came back we came off stage and we had uh on the there's a little room behind the 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 what is it moonshine stage that's attached to the stage and it's yep, like the, this band room yeah so they split it um you know we get one side and whoever else is is playing throughout the day comes in and out of the other side and Les was on the other side and we used to set up a little uh rehearsal rig in there like a drum set and stuff and we came off the stage and Les is in our dressing room playing the drums and he's just hanging out like playing this drum so it sort of turned into this you know Rob picked up his bass and started playing and it turned into this jam and next thing Mike's like dancing in his underwear through the thing going back and forth through the curtain and and uh just hanging out and jamming with Les. And the same thing happened with Woot, Victor Woot came into our trailer and, you know, we recorded uh, a song, but then just hung out and just played with them for a while, just in the trailer, you know, mostly acoustic and stuff. And, um, and we've played with like everybody there. It's, it's, it's crazy. 
Um, the swaps with Humphreys is always a blast. Yeah, that's fun to All see. That. The, the, yeah, you guys swapped mid song. That was a that was a treat. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just so I fun. Didn't fully understand what's happening until after the fact because I was only at your show, not at Humphreys. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, there's a video out there of of you guys and and Vic Wooten playing. Uh, yeah. In that trailer, I think Kyle, Kyle's song, and that was actually for one of the camp counselors at the time, uh, Kyle Hess. Yes. Yeah. So we did that, and we that so we made that recording or that video, or whatever, and then just kind of hung out with Victor and played for a little bit and talked to him for a little bit, and you know that the stuff that kind of stuff just happens happens there. With cowboy boots upon his feet, look up as if you cross the street. So you flying like a superstar. magic of summer camp <laughs> yeah, yes yeah it's a good place for you to get out of this interview <laughs> <laughs> um yeah man i uh i'm so itching to get out and uh i i, I can't i can't wait to get back there um, for finally my 20th camp i think i should be introducing you guys this year i was supposed to do it last year and instead oh I, nice doing it on the virtual summer camp. So I, I hope I didn't blow my shot on the virtual summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should, you'll be the man this year. <laughs> well, you, you heard it, everyone. You heard it here first from Jim. That's right. You can, I, I, I will do all like it. Cause it, it'll be an injustice if you're not. In my opinion, so <laughs> uh, I think they'll let me do it. Well, thank, thanks again. I know you don't do this often. I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate you doing it, man. Oh, no problem. Thank thank you for having me. I, you know, it was a good it was a good interview. I, I thanks man. I uh I, I know I kept you longer than I said I would, but uh Yeah, it's no problem. Good talking to I you. I was I was late, so it's all my fault really. I can't really The people out there don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess they know they that. I was going to let that slide. <laughs> So I thought this was the first time I set up a Zoom meeting. So I thought maybe I fucked something up. So I had one of my yeah. coworkers dial into the meeting. So you could have jumped on here and saw me and my coworker shooting the shit for a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was it was all me. I, I the funny thing is usually that I'm I'm like early to everything, and uh, or at least I try to be. And at this, I just completely spaced. Like I I, I probably I. You know, if you asked me what day it was, I wouldn't have known it was a Tuesday. So, <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening. I hear you. The only the only way I know it's a weekday is that my son leaves for school and it's peaceful. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for doing this, and I will. I'll I'll, uh, I'll try to give you a shout at summer camp when I see you. You got it, man. Thank you for having me, Derek. All right. Take care. Take care. All right. Thanks again to Jim. And hey, Jim, if you're listening, your first show is on YouTube in its entirety, I believe. 
I couldn't use that particular YouTube clip because the sound quality just wasn't there, so I picked something from the same year. But I did find that actual show. And on another note, I'm coming for you, Chuck. But for now, let's move on to the jam of the week. I picked this song because I'm guessing if Jim takes the night off, Mo isn't going to be playing this one. It's a live version of the music you hear on every episode of this show as my transition music. Here is Mo doing Chromatic Nightmare at summer camp in 2015. Hey, I'll be back in a couple weeks with another new episode, the annual On the Road special. Thanks for listening. <laughs>